All right, man. So shall um, we get started? Yeah, it's good All to right. have you here. Thanks um, for having me. This is our our second attempt, and um, I'm I'm glad uh, we got you back. And um, yeah, like um, it's it's one of those things where we've worked together quite a bit at this point. Um, but I, you have, you know, this kind of public persona online, um, as you know, your video game stuff, your modeling, and you have a lot more that's behind the scenes. So it was something that I was really interested in letting you kind of talk about more than just the modeling side of things. So tell everybody what your name is and you know, what you do. Well, my name is Charlie Matthews. Of course, that's my stage name because... My real name is Charles Miatovich, but since my dad was an actor for about 30 years, I couldn't take that because he is in the international media database. Otherwise, I'll be called Charles Miatovich Jr. And Junior. I was like, no. Matthews is my middle name. People call me Charlie. Family, friends, co-workers. But, you know, I'm more of not just a model, not just a pretty face. But I'm also an entrepreneurship, um, day trader. You do a lot of day trading. A lot of day trading. Yeah. I will get to that later in the podcast. Yeah. A lot of crypto and, of course, Twitch streamer, professional gamer. Not too many people do that. Yeah. And cinematographer. I used to drone a lot. You do still, too? Not really. Not as much? Um, you know, due to the pandemic, with COVID everything it's been at a standstill but you know when i did travel all over the world always take it with me and take it between sets got really good at it i got really good at it to a point where i did travel with a client in iceland and uh in between takes uh there was a crew of like seven people we'd get in rv trailers yeah and we would just drive along the coast of iceland and of course i did bring my drone at the time and so after when I was done shooting my look, the females go in, I'll rush to the RV, I'll take out my drone and start filming. I did eventually show to the clients like, look, this is what I could do with the drone. I think you guys would really like this. And turns out three months later, when the campaign was out, they ended up using my drone footage for their video for their campaign. There was a campaign in Mexico called Lobe. And um, so they ended up using my drone footage, which was absolutely I never amazing. That. That's sick, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, you know, that was definitely like unexpected because I just enjoy it as a passion. Like at that time, I really enjoy like sightseeing, traveling. And of course, you know, as like when you travel as a model, you go to all these exotic places. Yeah. Um, exotic places locations and of course you know bring my drone with me yeah um it's funny because one time i took it in australia and um flew it flew it like above the cliffs and then there's a big gust of wind that came in and then my drone just flew all the way out to the ocean i tried to reel it back in i had no control over it and i felt okay this is the end i'm not gonna see this thing this is like goodbye yeah but eventually I ended up getting it back. Like, you know, I'm just like That's lucky. racing like back and forth. I'm like, damn, this is like my, one of my biggest investments at the yeah, time, yeah. like as a model. They're not cheap. They're not cheap at no. all. This was like a big investment. And 
so as I like rolling back, oh my God. And uh, I had it on record. It was like, you know, recording. And I had some amazing shots just along the coast of, I think it was Bondi Beach in Sydney, Australia. Mm-hmm. And you got all these like rock textures and colors in the rocks. And it was like amazing. Yeah. And so uh, eventually I just edited it on my computer and then I ended up dropping a trailer for it. And then people are like, oh, wow, this is amazing. We want to see more of this. And then I was like, okay. You know, I started going all over Sydney, Australia and just, uh, you know, getting clips of, you know, the areas. And I almost got thrown in a jail at one time because I did something illegal. So I was With at the drone. The drone. The drone, yeah. I flew the drone over the opera house, and that's like oh no, a big no no. Yeah, exactly. That's so like flying it over. I was like, all right, gotta risk it for the footage. So I was like in a park, and I was like <laughs> inside a bush. I literally climbed into a bush and hide. And so I just got my drone and you know stuff like that, and it was like all the way up to like uh, the opera house. Yeah. Then these two kids behind me come. They're like. Hi, mate. Oh, you're flying a drone? It's like, can we see it? It was like, yeah, yeah, come here. But we got to be quiet because I don't want to get caught. And uh, so I flew it all over the opera house and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden I hear like... Sirens. Sirens. Police security and stuff. And I just, all right, I got to get out They of think here. it's like a bomb yeah. or some kind of like... Well, know. they had a bomb threat a week before. Oh, that was wow. a thing. So this was in 2017. Um, yeah, they had like a, like a bomb threat somewhere in the area or somewhere in Australia. And so I ended up getting that 30 seconds of footage and it was like my best footage I got through like the whole trip. They let you keep it? They let me keep it. They let you keep it. Yeah. And it was a sunset shot during golden hour and wow. it was absolutely like beautiful. And behind the opera house, they also had like the military warships. Yeah. Which was like pretty cool too. So I got, you know, captures of that and of course the Australia Bridge, the Opera House, of course. But yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Welcome to link that that footage and just and No, I I definitely show you that footage. It was absolutely I had no idea. So I didn't know you were because you're 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 an internationally published model. You've been modeling for ten years. Ten plus years. Ten plus years now. Going Um, eleven. I didn't know you were interested on. I mean, you had you have cameras and stuff, but that's a really um, unique thing to be interested in. The drone pilot. You know, I think it just had to deal with. You know, during at that time, I felt like that was like I'm hitting towards like you know my prime years when I was started to work a lot and travel, because of course I had a YouTube channel for about. I mean, I had about like eight years. And I'll just do like video logs and stuff. And I always get the idea like, what can I do to take it to the next level and make it even more epic? Yeah. And I'm always looking at these like Michael Bay trailers with all the explosions. But unfortunately, I wish I could do that with my YouTube yeah. trailers. Isn't it now? Yeah. But. You ever seen that scene in Super 8 with the, the kid yes. by the train? The production yes, value. The production, the production value. value. You know, yeah. The, yeah. You know. <laughs> If only you were nearby. Yeah, like but, um, you know, I at, at the time, like, I was, like, in that mindset where I will do a combination of doing video logs on set 
and also drone shots, like, you know, cinematic shots and do like transition stuff because at that time that was a passion. Right, right. And it was something like I really enjoy. It's like something that I just do for myself and just people getting to know more about me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, during that time I was putting out like a lot of, you know, YouTube content and yeah. stuff. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. And you've always been, so like as long as I've known you and, and well before that, you've always been into the tech side of things and, and like, you know, getting in on and doing whether it's the gaming or the different things. So like, have you always had interest in that kind of stuff or? I am, I'm a huge nerd, first of all. I love electronics, technology, and you know, dating back to, I think when my dad got me my first Nintendo 64. Yeah. I think this was like in 97, 98. My first game was Super Mario. And so when my dad got it, you know, when I opened it up, I was like, oh my God, I, I was, I felt like a kid in a candy yeah, store. Yeah. And then I remember my mom's look on the side and my mom's look to my dad. You're like, this is doing? a very bad decision. Bad idea. <laughs> bad idea. Char I know Charlie, he's got that energy. He is going to be playing the hell out of it. Yeah. And I did, I was playing like eight to 10 hours a day <laughs> and I'm like, so Mario. And then, you know, my mom's like, Oh, can I try? He's like, no, no, no. I got to beat this first. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that, that was the Mario 64 when that came out. If, if you got one as a kid, if you were lucky enough to get one, it was like, that was the best. That was the best. That's it was, best. I think at the time it was that. And then of course the Pokemon red and blue when that yeah. was, and then eventually GoldenEye and, and Super Smash and all those. And that's, were, and that's what happened when I went over to my friend's place the first and we would just rage multiplayer. in GoldenEye. Yeah. That was your first experience with multiplayer. First experience. Yeah. My friend was always cheap because you know that character, Odd Job, that's like always yeah. short and yeah. you try to shoot it because you got to point your gun at narrow down because he's, he was short. like the best character in the game. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, damn, you're cheating. He's like, pick somebody else like your height in the game where you could actually shoot the player. But, um, yeah, I mean. I mean, looking back on those now, though, those were, those were rough compared to what we have now, but, but they were the best. They were just the for what it For pure, what it was back then, fun. it was just pure enjoyment. Yeah. And you had to go over to someone's house. Go to someone's house. Yeah. You bring your own controller, and if they had another controller, you would be lucky and to have one. you get the one. shitty one. Yeah, I'll get the shitty one. You get the good. There's everyone yeah. had their favorite controller. I had my favorite controller was the gray one that I had. The gray one? With, yeah. Just because for some reason it had all of my good luck in it. Yeah. And then like if, if people came over, I'm like, you can have the blue one. You know, it's like. <laughs> I, I was have, red. I got stuck have, with red. Red was mine. <laughs> here you go. And then the third, if, if you're lucky enough to be third player, you get yellow. Yellow. I had, I had yellow too. I got... Well, it was a limited edition yellow when I used to play this game called Hey You Pikachu. You remember that when you yeah. talk in the mic? Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was like a Pikachu controller. And you tell, hey, Pikachu, go do this. Oh, go get the fruit. And you just scream at it. He's like, you're not doing it, yeah. Pikachu. <laughs> it's like basically you're talking to Siri. Essentially, in, it was the 90s Siri. In a, it yeah. was a 90s Siri, exactly. Yeah. And he never did anything <laughs> that you said. Never did anything. I'm like, damn it. Do something. That was like that was like the era of like Pokemon Snap. Like I just remember being it's like it foreshadowed me becoming a photographer maybe because it was just like really this really obsessive oh my God. like like so, so, wanting to take the best pictures of these stupid Pokemon. It yeah. was always like and then they, they but they it automatically grades you. 
which is the worst. Yeah, grades, yeah. So it's it's like none of that whole like you know when people say oh there's beauty in like the the you know the flaws and stuff and it's like yeah. no, the computer was like fucking shit. Maybe that was a kid. sign that you're crappy photo kid. Yeah. You know, <laughs> try again. No, eyes were closed. No, off center. No, it was just like they had all these rules that you had to. And it, essentially, you had to have a perfect shot. It was looking straight at the camera, right in the middle, mm-hmm. and there was all these like stipulations and rules and how you get like a good score, and um, none of that that bullshit. Like you know, always off center. It's kind of cool because it's a little edgy. No, like, none of that. It yeah. was just it was just straight on. So when you're dealing with these little controllers, you know they weren't the most. If you ever played one recently, like going back, I was like, this is not like responsive. It doesn't like do it. It doesn't respond. No, not, it's like, not accurate. accurate. And so it's it's like that that anger. That builds inside you when you can't get you can't beat it you can't get it going maybe that was a sign that when you got started photography yeah. that was a sign like you're gonna become a photographer and then i, then I took the 20 years off and then i got back into it so i when people ask me i guess i could say yeah well my first job was pokemon snap and i got really good at that and then i took you know a hiatus and now i'm back and so, and so how long did you get serious like in photography i mean only the last couple Last couple of years, yeah, very recent, very recent, very recent. Because I know you've been doing it with, like, with a lot of like production, you know, productions, and, and, and being involved in yeah creative direction and production and and um, music videos and photo shoots and and all that stuff. I've done that for eight years now. Yeah, and I and I kind of feel like with all that experience you yeah. had with being behind the scenes productions, yeah. lighting, and of course you work with like a very well known photographer yeah, as yeah. well, and. He's like basically like your sensei. Mentor, he's like guide yeah. your mentor, yeah. and you know he helps you out with you know the lights, yeah. the angles, and stuff like that. And I kind of felt like you learned that by yourself. It's kind of fun now because now I'm able to be in a way like helping out on set more. I mean, I was always there and and on the production side. That's a whole different thing, but. Um, we always had a lighting guy and I would be helping him out. And then eventually I would be the one helping just, I was the lighting guy. And, um, over time it's, it went from me just doing what they were telling me to do for lighting. Just put it here, put it there, put it there to learning enough to be able to suggest things, which was really fun. Right, so yeah. being able to say, Hey, what if we put it over here? And like, it works and they like it. Like that's a really like, was a good yeah, yeah. step. So then, like it feels like now with what I do now, I'm able to kind of give back and like actually contribute more than like just a stand there and tell me what to do. Exactly. When you're young, yeah. you know, you're just kind of learning and you're figuring it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I photography wise, I've, I've always been interested in it. I liked it. I've always had cameras. Um, I was more of a drawer and painter though. Like I, really? I, did, I did a lot oh. of that stuff as a kid. So yeah. I never really was into photos I was more into actually drawing okay and you know that kind of thing it, and it translates to some degree so it, um, so in other words it's like in the kind of in the same field as like entertainment business arts yeah, and yeah, yeah. Just things like that and yeah nothing that I wanted to do for a career because yeah. you know it's like it's kind of drilled into people's I heads. actually did drawing and arts in high school as well yeah. for in one semester in college yeah I used to draw I love drawing cars where did you go to school I went to uh, Cal State Fullerton. Okay. I, oh, so you're right here. Yeah. yeah. Right in the backyard, down the yeah. street. Well, I mean, it's, he's went in Southern California. Not that we're here. Yeah. We're not in Fullerton. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, yeah. You know. I did that for... Undisclosed location. I did that for like one semester because I was playing basketball. Yeah. 
and uh, tore my groin. And you were playing basketball in college? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So my nickname was um, White Rodman, Dennis Rodman, because I was a player where I would defend really well. I would get the least amount of points, but I always put up 10 to 15 rebounds a game. Like uh, I was just dominant for yeah. my size because timing things right. And I mean, I think that was like my very competitive side. Yeah. And I love to compete and challenge, you know, the bigger guy on the board. Where did that aggressive. come from? Where do you think that came from? I think from? a lot of that rage started with my father. But... Um, during high school my dad was very competitive and i'm if we're gonna get deeper into this mm -hmm. he was actually uh an abusive alcoholic like really like abusive alcoholic but when he was sober up he was a good father yeah he was definitely a good father but he had this extreme competitive level like if you look at like Kobe Bryant, how he competed just for the love of basketball. Well, my dad, his goal was for me to become either a professional baseball player, or a professional basketball player. Do you think he was trying to live through you, or why do you think he was so hard on you? He's so hard. He was so hard on me because he didn't want to make the same mistakes as he did when mm -hmm. he was a child. Because he grew up very poor. He lived. He was pretty much homeless, like from ages like thirteen Where to seventeen. Did he, grow up? he grew up in the south side of Chicago, which is like one of the roughest, yeah. like neighborhoods. He had no mother growing up, no father. He had he had just an uncle, who would kind of like guide him. So his childhood was really bad. Yeah. But he never wanted that for me. He always looked at me as like I want to give you the best childhood. But up until high school, things got really, really dark. And it got to the point where I was playing at four ball clubs at once for the first two years. I would wake up six in the morning. I would go to um, basketball practice, the tryout, like the summer camp. And then after that, I would go straight to the other side of the field and I'll practice for baseball. And then two hours later, I would go to travel ball and travel league. I, I was playing uh, for this team called Anderson Arsenals. And the two, well, before that, I was playing at El Dorado. You know El Dorado? Yeah, it's in yeah. Placentia. That's, yeah. that's the school I went to. Okay. I was playing El Dorado baseball. I was playing El Dorado basketball. I was playing on Anderson Arsenals as a pitcher. I was a lefty. And then later in the night, we were playing City League champion, uh, your Belinda. Uh, it was like the your Belinda CCIB like Division One tournament. Yeah. So, I was doing that for about two years at one point, and it got to the point where my body just got exhausted. Yeah. And my dad would come back with this excuse, like, no. It's not good enough. And whenever I didn't perform, he would, be, he would beat the shit out of me. Mm. Like, he's like, you got to do better. And this is what transitioned into, like, alcohol. Yeah. Like, alcohol for him. And when, wow, this is dark. I didn't know I was going to get to this point. Um, but whenever I performed well, which is I performed pretty well 
every like travel team. Like I was getting to the point where I believe I had a shot of, you know, going to, you know, the semi pros to, or maybe the pros possibly. Cause I was getting to the point where I was getting like really good. But then again, my body was just exhausted. You're tired. I was tired. You were playing four at one time, four, four teams, four teams. This was on Mondays, Wednesdays, and exactly? Friday, and Saturdays. You were in your, you were in high school. I was, I was probably I want to say around fourteen or fifteen. So you're growing. You're tired from that. I'm growing. I'll, I'll start to get injuries, but whenever I performed really well, my dad would just make a fool out of himself. It was like, oh, my kid's better than your kid, and then my mom's come aside and he's like, Charlie, stop, stop. You're like you're embarrassing her. So I was like, I don't give a fuck. My kid's the best. He's going to the promised land, and you know, like I gotta understand his competitive side of things, but when you get to that point and you doing those kind of stuff, it's absolutely wrong. It's, it's terrible. And then whenever I get home, then I'm going to hear like the rest of it where, you know, he, like his whole mind was just like, Oh, he's going to, he's going to go pro. He's going to go pro. And he's like, F these parents, F these politics, these coaches are not doing right. Why do they put Charlie in the eighth lineup? And just stuff like that. But, you know, for me, like my mindset is like, I just want to get out of this way. I want to enjoy the things that I love. And whatever my parents would argue downstairs, which was like pretty much every night, like every night, I never had a getaway to do things and I would hear it downstairs and I never had a lock on my door. So I would take my bed and I'll just put up against the door and my dad would just bang. He's like, what the hell are you doing there? Get out of your effing room. I need to talk to you now. And it's like, we're going to the batting cages at like 10 o'clock at night and you need to do this and that, blah, blah, blah. But um, I just need to find an escape route and... I didn't know what it was, but um, one day I went to a friend's house and he had this game called Halo One on Xbox. <laughs> changed, you remember that? Changed everything. Remember? You yeah. remember that? Changed everything. Oh boy, oh boy, it game changer, yeah. game changer. It got to the point where I'll just sleep at my friend's house and we would just play the crap out of that game all night. It's like four of us doing two v two and be like, stop looking at my screen. Yeah. And so back then, you 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 had to still at that point because you had Xbox Live, I think, coming around the corner, but I don't know if it was next that year. Time. Next year. And so you had to go to your friend's house and either play on the same screen or you could connect to two systems exactly and be in two different rooms, which is what we would do sometimes with like exactly. a lot of people. But you could essentially, when you're playing on the same screen, you could kind of cheat. You could see where they're going, yeah. kind of, you know, oh, yeah. if you're good enough to, to, yeah. to, to, you know, have two different ways of, of looking at it. No, definitely. And the thing is, like, where I grew up, uh, my mom was working at apartments and townhouses, and that's where I was living. So I could literally walk, like, two minutes to my friend's place, like, on the other side of the complex. So, so it was right there. It, it may was, as well have been in your living room. It could yeah. have been the way, well... All right, back to the situation with my, you know, parents, my job and stuff. So my mom manages, you know, apartments and complexes. And with her contract, it's like, okay, 
we could stay here for free. Expenses covered, apartment, we don't have to pay rent, utilities, gas. Yeah. Um, but, you know, later down the road, I'll tell you when we get to that point. So uh, back to like the video games. So now it's like, all right, what can I do to make money if I want to get an Xbox and Halo 1? So I started knocking at people's doors and I'll be like, hey, you know, are you looking for your, you know, weeds pulled out of your backyard? It's like, I'm charging like, you know, 25 to 30 bucks for the day. And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, of course. I'll knock on every door and I was a hustler. I'll just, I'll do whatever I can. And I love to work. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed like, you liked having something to do, having something to do. And then it was kind of like a, you know, a relieved as a kid, especially like with my mindset at 14, I love to work and negotiate. And then I'll, you know, I'll wash people's cars. Like, do you need your room to be clean and you know, stuff like that? I'll just, I'll do it with my friend, my childhood friend. And we'll just like, you know, we started getting a bunch of people and we ended up getting, making like, you know, 100, 150 bucks for a week, which is a lot yeah. as a kid. Yeah. You know, that was, you know, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. Yeah. And then my dad invited me to a baseball game, Cal State Fullerton. And uh, he got wasted. <laughs> and so, <laughs> well, so I always ask for, oh, you know, can I get something to eat? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here you go, 25, 30 bucks. And in my mind, it's like, oh, I got $2 for a hot dog. I could actually get an Xbox and faster <laughs> this way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, okay. Dad, oh, this is this carnival game I want to try, and I need some money. He's like, oh, here you go. Here's go. 20, another 20, 25 bucks. I did that like two or three times, and he didn't remember. He's like, I count the money. He's like, okay, I got, I got enough money to buy it. And I wouldn't tell him I would buy it. Yeah. I would secretly hide it because if he would find out I had it, he'll snap it in half. He'll, he thinks... Because that time he thinks like video games were brainwashing me to so have in, a baseball, yeah, basketball yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. You're ruining your life. You're ruining my life. life. Yeah. Ruining my life and stuff. Ruining his life. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <point>. So, <laughs> um, fast forward six months later, I ended up getting an Xbox, and I was debating to get Halo One or Two, and then uh, I think it was like. I think Halo 2 was out for like a couple of years already. This was like 2006, 2007. It was before Halo 3. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, Xbox Live, baby. Here we go. Now I get to play with my friends online. I get to play with the neighbor next door. And we just started playing. And started practicing, practicing. I was like, damn, I actually got really good at this. And so I enjoyed like a community online where we get to practice for tournaments and I started playing and I was just dominating. I was like, I was just putting up like number strategies. Like, wow, like I'm actually getting good at this. And then I played game battles, which is like online tournament for like cash prizes. I did an FFA tournament. I took first place and I won 500 bucks and I was, Happiest kid in the if world. If only it was like, one of those tournaments that gave Bitcoin. 
you know, <laughs> oh my 50 God. bitcoins or 150 50, bitcoins. Oh you know? man, I w- we would have been billionaires. I'd seen some, I'd seen oh. some, some old flyers and, and tournaments of, of games and, and things like that. And it's like first place is $500, second place is $200, third place is $50. And then, you know, everyone else gets Bitcoin. <laughs> I, I, I think I think I saw like one of your posts a while back where there was an advertisement. Oh, if you sign up now, you get a free Bitcoin. Right. And if they did that today, it's like, oh, free $50,000. Right. No, this has to be a scam. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I started practicing, you know, game battles and I got really good to the point where, okay, now they have MLG land tournaments, major league gaming, $100,000 cash prize. And the first tournament was MLG Anaheim 2006, and I was, and I got into top 15, ranked number 12 in the world as a Halo player. Wow. And I felt like, man, I actually got really good at this, and I would practice hours at a day. It wasn't, it wasn't unhealthy, but long story short, it's deep but long story short um that was like my escape route of not hearing my parents argue i found something i love found something i enjoyed and that was my escape route was you know video games and halo so whenever i think of halo i think of the past of you know my parents I, I just feel like I had maybe some kind of connection. That's why I'm like obsessed with Halo and I feel like emotions about it in a way. Like I'm attached to something because I look at back at that as like that was my childhood and this is what I really enjoyed and this is what made me happy during yeah. my darkest times. I think everyone has, especially if they like, if they're into gaming or if they have. Yeah. Even if they just played games growing up, they look back on it with fond memories, and they look back on it with that nostalgia. Of the, like, just what a good time. The but memories for you, it's time. that it was that escape. It was it was the escape that I needed, and yeah. it got to the point where I didn't come out from my, my room for like a year. My friends were asking, "Where are you at?" Oh, he's playing Halo. Oh, well, he's playing Halo for cash. I mean, not for free. Yeah, but yeah, I got good at it, and Halo Three, I continued that way, dominated. Won cash prizes, went to GameStop tournaments, dominated. Um, and then... Did you ever wait? Were you ever one of the people waiting outside for the new game? I was. Yeah, which one was it? It was all the Halos. All the Halos. I think one Call of Duty. Well, I think it was Call of Duty, World at War. We talked about this a little bit before. Was uh, was around this time, Call of Duty was just kind of in its... like It was kind of starting. Before that had been Medal of Honor. And then there was a bunch of other games that were different genres and stuff, different things. But the, the Halo really changed the face of gaming, I think. It changed the competitive of gaming for sure. And I think the prime time where, like you said earlier, between 2007 and 2010, I think that was the golden age of gaming with, you know, of course, you're... You know, you love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Star Wars games mm-hmm. were coming out. The Modern Warfare. The Battlefronts. The, the, it just... It, it was, evolutionized yeah. gaming. And it, you know... It had gone from being, you know... And, and, I, and I still... I love, 
you know, Super Mario 64, and, and I love Goldeneye, and I love those games, but this was the first time when it was immersive in a way that you, it sucked you in, and you were, you, were, you, were in, you were almost transported somewhere else. And, you know, for me, me, me and my friends, it was Battlefront, Battlefront and Battlefront 2 was because I was a little earlier. Yeah. It was like 2004, five was when we were really, really into it. Yeah. And um, Halo 2. So it was it was, um, you know, Halo and Halo 2 and then Battlefront, Battlefront 2, right? The, the big games, the Medal of Honor a little bit, but it didn't have as good of a, a multiplayer. Yeah. But back then it was just this like. It was so fresh and so new because now they're doing, you know, like they're they're either building on an IP, they're already doing it, or they're going back and remaking it, which mm -hmm. is great. But it's not the same as when it's first, like like that had never existed before. This was the first thing where you heard about this, you know, you heard about, uh, you know, even like you know, Battlefront, Battlefront Two, were attached to a movie, attached to a, a franchise. But like Halo was the first time when there was something in a very long time for games back to probably Mario that was yeah. released where it was not attached to anything. Yeah. It just became its own thing. And it, it wasn't attached to a movie. It, it wasn't was like, attached to a yeah. franchise. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, didn't already have a fan base. It created one from nothing. It's like a new era and generation. Cause yeah. you got, you know, the Pac-Man's in the eighties, yeah. the Donkey yeah. Kong, then you got the, uh, Super Mario, Mario 64, and, which is like a 3D, and they world. built on Mario. Like they, they Mario did. built, 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 built into the 90s, the thousands. They still today are, are strong, but like, it's got such a long history. Long it's not, history. It's it's not that it's not good because it is, and there's there's great. I love the Mario games, but it's when when you're 12, and this new game comes out and it's never been seen before. That's yours. Like it's your generation's thing. Yeah, and so. You know, even now, like as I haven't played Halo in a while. Yeah. But like, you know, Halo Two and Halo Three will always be like, like you know, like I can just, I, I feel like I can just get, you know, turn it on and go and, and yeah. Like, like it, never, it was that, that game where passed. you just never get sick you know? of it. Yeah. And especially that this that was the first time since like uh, Super Smash Brothers, which we played in college too. It wasn't like it really went away. It was always a good game. But it was the first time since that where the game just didn't age. Like you could play it ten years later and it's still fun. And it's still fun. You know, and it's it's it had that social component. And it games back then it and maybe I'm wrong, maybe there's maybe I'm just like like feel like <laughs> it's just nostalgia maybe. Yeah, but yeah. like today games don't um, there's always the download this, download that, if there's more coming, it's never like like Back then, you would get a game like Halo, and you would play it, and it would be amazing, and you'd want more, but you'd have to wait like three years, two, three years. It would just be, that's it. They're not, there's no more to get. There's no more to download. There's no, there's no more. That's it. They, they always try to do the DLC packs yeah. where and so now you'll it's probably like, have to go to a GameStop store. You got to get a code to right. buy it just to get the expansions of the maps. And, and some games get released, and they feel like they're not finished because they're they're holding stuff back to sell you later yeah back then it was just like this game and there was other games too there was there was you know knights of the old republic for me and there was there was computer games that i loved, but like they were done finished and i could play them for months yeah i could play them for six months and not get tired of it and 
you know, that's like my, my, I don't know if you have the same ritual, but like, like, like for me, like Christmas Eve at night, like I'll always play like a little something. Yeah. From oh my God. From then. That's just like, because, that's, that's just like the, to like relive like the best it. time. Like Christmas just Eve break at a school. Thanksgiving night, you know. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was like when I was out of school, when I could just turn on this game and, you know, boot up my character or whatever <laughs> it was. And then like play through I don't play very much I don't play a lot but it just gives you that little bit of like happiness like oh this is like when I was in school when I was off I was off when in school I was out yeah and get um, those two week break you had that break and you had that time and you had nothing going on there's like no finals no nothing you're not worried about anything yeah and I think that's where it comes from it's like that's a time when and if it was raining outside even better like oh that's that little extra it's okay oh, raining day. Oh, but you God. add that little extra bit of of playing a nostalgic game on a holiday and it's raining it's just like oof, Ooh, it's, just it's too much it almost cozy. makes you go it almost makes you kind of have like you know like and if you know what i'm talking about that's like there's just there's nothing else like that it i know exactly that feeling that's like the best feeling yeah the best feeling there's nowhere to be got nothing to do got nothing to do it's like oh just, log on you're, you're you can't play out world. you can't play outside you can't yeah. do anything it's like oh i'm just locked in my room yeah. playing video games oh, it's raining okay. yeah well i'll play video games then yeah so like that's i i understand i mean for you it was much more serious obviously what was going on around you yeah but i understand that escape because sometimes it's like there's just that that nice you know that comes with it yeah you're just you're happy just to be in another world doing something with your friends it's like a breath of fresh air and you know you know past that even when my parents got divorced i continued on playing halo 4 halo 5 and of course recently halo infinite so yeah Yeah, that's that's something that um you know will always probably stay with you like just that oh definitely love for that i just i have so much love for that game because it's just like what i it dates back to like my childhood like man this game has changed my life yeah. and i that's the only game like i could really like enjoy play the campaigns and buy memorabilia you know watch the tv shows the anime it's everything even if it's bad you like even it. if it's, it's like, bad it's, it's, it's like, like it's still happening like, even if it's bad it's like man this is the shit i fucking love it that's like, what I feel about. Good. I mean, yeah. that's how I've always felt about Star Wars games. I'm like, I don't care if it's shitty. It's, I don't, it's a new game. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a new, a new one. game. It's yeah. Cool. You know, it's something. It's something. As long as you got the Skywalkers in mm-hmm. it, the Darth Vaders or the Master Chiefs, All it's like sold. And, mm-hmm. As long as I've got yeah. something that that brings me back a little bit, then definitely, it's fine. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. I don't right. think they're ever going to, you know, catch lightning twice, so to speak, with like some of these games that are just are iconic and will never. It, you know be touched it's kind of like movies when you think of classic movies yeah there's always going to be good movies that they make but nothing will ever touch you know this movie for me you know whatever it is the original the original yeah. or the or the you know and, and because now special yeah because nowadays they're doing a lot of remasters mm-hmm. like they're remastering the old games get updated mm-hmm. graphics and some and of them are the games that i love and so i'm like i'm if, if it's it was a lot of times it's just a straight remaster they're just, yeah. they're just updating the graphics and, and yeah. fixing the widescreen and everything and i'm i'm fine with that i'll give them i'll give you more money i did a uh i did a stream two years ago 2020 during lockdown actually i played uh two games it was detroit becomes human do you mm-hmm. know that yeah yeah I played that where, you know, you're the ro- you're like, you know, the robot, human girl, and then you got to 
figure out if you want to make these right decisions. Like, do you want to be the good guy or do you want to be the bad guy? And then that affects towards like the end. And then life is strange. I don't know that. One. I played. I play life is strange. So there's like, uh, there's three games, but I played the second one. Yeah. Which about like a brother and his little brother who's got powers and they got you know lost in the forest and then they got to you know find their way back try to make these decisions and of course it affects like towards the end yeah no i mean i i there's something about those immersive games and they're they're, they're better than ever they have been today so yeah. when they have those stories when they do because it's not as popular as the, the, the first person shooter it's still isn't today but the ability to just have these these long stories it's so entertaining and it keeps your interest for months it is it's just like you you, you play for a few hours and you're, you're you've gotten a lot further but there's so much to do so much and i love the fact that you can go back and play it again and see different things you know that's because i well, a couple of years ago when i was streaming those games i kind of want to push myself into not just playing just one game but also explore other games and if yeah, i don't like it yeah. i won't play it yeah i played uh the recent marvel's avengers game that came out last year and i was like no i don't like it you know that that's that's that um that escape that you were talking about yeah you know and everybody even if you don't going through something that's quite so serious yeah you know you like to escape your life once in a while it's okay no, oh, definitely. You, like I always say, you just gotta do something what you enjoy. That was kind of like an accident of something I enjoyed. Yeah. And eventually, I had no idea that I'll still playing it today. I had no idea I'll still be, you know, competing in this upcoming Halo right, Infinite right. tournaments. That's like next month for a cash prize. I didn't know if I was gonna get to that point. And I'm still good at the game. I'm still a great player. Right. But, you know, just, I guess, just based upon, like, the experience of the games that I played in the past. and Do you think, so, I, so what I didn't realize was that you had come, you had come to the gaming stuff early, much earlier than I thought. Because I always had thought, well, you're just, you're into that now. Um, yeah. You know, you were, you were, you know, modeling and, and going across the world. Um, I didn't realize that it was such a formative part of your growing up. It was you know. a huge part of my childhood, and I and I still have that inner kiss of. But you know, there was a point where, you know, when I got into this whole modeling world, for about four years, I actually quit gaming. I didn't play at all. Yeah, I was just more, you know, focused on that, and you know. So tell people how you were discovered. So this was, um, and put it in terms of. of Okay. Games you were playing at what so, time? all right. There was, yeah, there was, there was a lot going back then. This was like, um, I would say 2012. I was playing, well, I was playing Halo 4. I was bagging groceries at a grocery store. And then after that, I would work at uh, Hollister, you know, as like a retail person. A so I had like two different jobs. Yeah. Well, I'll do retail and also greeting as well. Okay. But mostly the grocery store, you know, I had like my Justin Bieber hair, my ugly green apron, Stater Brothers. I think you that was a grocery a store. Stater Brothers, it. yeah. You posted with your your yeah. long hair. Yeah, Thanksgiving, um, selling pumpkin pie in front of the green cars, just giving out samples and stuff. Somebody snapped a picture of me with my you know big, big smile yeah. and um, photos leaked out on Facebook, and that's when my uh, mother 
agent reached out to me. 2000, yeah, 2012. Holy crap. What was years. that kid's name from Target that, that, that went viral? Oh my God, I remember You that. were essentially well, the first one then. You were that first. I mean, I wouldn't say that. You went viral on Facebook. Well, he was more famous. Yeah, but I mean, you, you did more with it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, he got on Ellen's show and a few other, he saw so, but he, what um, we're not talking about him. Yeah. We'll cut that out. <laughs> we'll cut that out. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, um, so I signed with, uh, my mother agent okay. and he had an agency in San Diego called Vander models, but it was kind of like a manager slash, uh, agency, like a scout or like more like, like a, yeah, like he, the, the thing is, like, he was more of placing agents. It was like a manager, I would say. Place, mm-hmm. Placing me to, like, agents and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he would he would meet me with these agents in L.A. And I went to see everyone twice. And they all rejected me. Like, I just wow. wasn't right at the time. I wasn't tall enough. Uh, I was in the best shape. You'll never be a model. And, of course, so, you know, that was, like, you know, the former agent my last agency I was with for like five years yeah. like he even said that but you know we talked about it he's like you know I wasn't right at the time I was so young and I just didn't know how to dress like I would go to Tilly's because I loved getting that skater look with the boardwalk shoes the yeah. Dickies pants Spitfire Flame Boy and Wet Willie t-shirt with you know you know the a SoCal kid yeah SoCal kid I'll come with like board shorts a male Gwen Stefani <laughs> I mean essentially I guess I guess I guess <laughs> And, um, so I was just trying to get an agency and it was hard and I did get offered to get an agency in South Korea. They were giving me a guaranteed $10,000 for two months because Asia, Asia is the only market where they offer you guaranteed contracts. Interesting. All right. Take notes for the upcoming new models, by the way, this is definitely Japan, South Korea. You know, because Asia is kind of like the high school of modeling where you build your tear sheets, get comfortable doing e-commerce and, you know, stuff like that. But at the time I was living in Yorba Linda and my situation was got to the breaking point really bad. I stopped playing baseball. I stopped playing basketball. Was it your family? It was my family. And so um, my... Dad did something to my mom mm-hmm. in ways, and I told my mom one. I told my mom one night where it's like, "Mom, you need to wake up and do something. I can't live like this anymore. I feel trapped trapped in a bubble. Whenever I bring uh, my my girlfriend over, my dad would, you know, harass her and." If I ever bring friends over, they would, you know, harass them. And it just got to the point where we actually got a notice and saying we had to move out and we had no place to go. We were pretty much about to be homeless, like nowhere to go. And the only family I got is they live in Switzerland and it's far and we can't. And we were at a breaking point. I didn't know what to do to help my mom. And so the only option was we had to file a restraining order against my dad. Wow. And um, so now it's just like, all right, this is happening when the South Korea contract came along. And then my mom, she was at her, like, 
breaking point. These two equally opposite things, like it's yeah. an exciting it's new exciting thing, and one new. thing that's just horrible. Everything just you know hit me yeah. like at once, and you know my mom decided to go to therapy for a couple of years, and she met you know her former boyfriend that they've been together for almost ten years now very healthy relationship like I never see my mom so happy and yeah. I'm really happy for her and so I told my mom I was like look mom I'm not in the right mindset right now like I am pretty much broken inside like I'm just emotions I got nothing like I like I felt like my soul just left my body and um, I told my mom and uh, I was like, I'm gonna pack my bags. I'm gonna go to South Korea for modeling for two months. I quit my Stater Brothers job. I quit my Abercrombie job. I probably had like maybe $2,000 like saved up in my pocket just to live off of. She was freaking out. She's like, Charlie, I don't think you're gonna do this as a, as a model. You know, I love you so much. I'm so worried about you. And you know, my aunt, you know, and so I ended up going to South Korea. And my aunt called me one day. He was like, Charlie, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm actually just, I'm out of your Belinda. He's like, Charlie, I didn't mean you to go from your Belinda all the way to South Korea. <laughs> and you're like, I was thinking maybe go out of state, maybe New York City, Pasadena, maybe Miami, Pasadena. You know, anything. Yeah. But why in the hell are you going from here all the way to South Korea yeah. on the other side of the world? She's and feeling like, like yeah. someone had called her and said, what did you do? Yeah. yeah. So got experience out there. Um, you know, my first big job was a Calvin Klein lookbook. Wow. Yeah. I, that was my f- most exciting job I ever did. I was like, yeah, yay. People are going to see me in the in the catalog and stuff like that. So the first month I didn't work at all. But until the very last week, that's when I booked the Calvin Klein lookbook. That's great. And then I booked the LG commercial, which was a good experience, but a nightmare. I ended up getting rushed to the hospital because I had hyperthermia. So, tell, so how, what, what happened there? So the call time was at 4 p.m. at night. Okay, so it was a night shoot. It was a night shoot. It was on a 52-story building in the middle of winter in, in South Korea. South Korea gets cold. Very cold. That day was minus 10 Fahrenheit. It's essentially like the like the cold part of Russia. Like it's right there. I mean, it's, it's yeah, people, similar. People don't think of South Korea as being that cold. I like would never. Yeah, freezing, freezing. I would never forget that day. It's like. I had to wear a thin piece of H&M shirt. And then we had eight scenes to do. I had about like five or six assistants around me. And so once we start shooting, it was like a midnight, one o'clock. I would have like five or six assistants around me covered in like these these warm, you know, those bags that you shake up and they get warm the, or whatever. The, yeah, the little pellets. That yeah, the the, the yeah. pellets. I had the blankets. So as soon as they got that off of me, then it's action. And I would have my phone. Because you're, 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 and, you're and advertising like, a phone. I'm right? advertising an LG cell phone. So my phone, I'm just like shaking like this. Charlie, can you stop, can you stop shaking? Exactly. And we need so you to be smooth, please. The director is like, can you stop shaking? Can you stop shaking? And then um, I, so I'm just like, all right, I got to breathe. I just got to get through this. I'm Mental. amazed they didn't have like a room right below 
booked or something where they could just have you waiting. No, they make you, you wait at the rooftop. That's no. bizarre. They they did have a tent with heaters. Yeah, but that was it, and that didn't really do it. Do it. Yeah, because they want to get the shot right away. I don't know if it's something about, uh, like Asia in general, but they're they're very like particular and they want to get things done yeah. as soon as possible. Yeah. So, all right, we shot that all night. I didn't get home till about like five or six o'clock in the morning, and then I got rushed to the hospital because I got really sick to the point where like pneumonia. Oh, pneumonia, exactly. And it took me a couple of days to like you know start you know feeling better. So towards the end of my stay in South Korea, um, my contract I didn't get the ten thousand guaranteed because. It was tricky because in order to get the $10,000 guarantee, you got to make $10,000 in jobs. And I missed it by a hundred bucks. Wow. And there's like, I'm sorry. So you're only getting 50% of the guarantee minus all the deductions. I was minus $11 from that trip. So I didn't make anything. You lost $11. $11. Yeah. With all the expenses covered. Comp card fees, client, modeling industry, everyone. comp card fees, yeah. apartment fees, transportation fees, $300 oh just God. to see the client. Yeah. The comp cards were paper and a printer, not like the hard ones. Just like, like just basic paper, basic paper, $800 a month. You'd think that they would, they would. At least get some good card stock or something to fool you into thinking yeah. it cost eight hundred dollars. Yeah. So I called I called my agent and I was like, I just want to go back home. This is the worst experience. I'm just not feeling it. And he was like, Oh, we'll just try one more market. And I was like, Where where else am I gonna go? Well, I'm pushing you to go to this agency in the Philippines, Manila. Warmer. Which is warmer climate, yeah. more tropic. And so I'm like, all right. All right, we'll give it a shot. So went to the Philippines and went from two months all the way up to six months. Wow. And it was by far the best decision I ever made because that's when things started to turn around for me. Um, they didn't pay well, but I got some amazing tear sheets. I went to Tropical Island. Yeah, yeah. They treated you like a king because the Philippines, just the people are amazing. They're open. Everybody's really nice. The food is cheap, but as you know, a model working there, it's not the best. But you know, I made comfortable amount, and um, yeah, I've did a lot of work there, and then I got adopted a, a nickname, the Krispy Kreme guy. I ate a dozen of Krispy Kreme donuts before one of the biggest underwear photo shoot brands oh, okay. yeah. in the Philippines. You were bold. Yeah, and they're like, Charlie, no, stop eating, because I'll just go, I'll just like go like where the food is, and I'm just like smell it, like yeah. And then had you been dieting or something, or were you what, were you hungry? I, I got. I ate so much food. Do we food. know why you ate so much food? I just enjoyed it. Oh, okay. I would go down like a, cause I had a 7-Eleven before me and I would get like a pint of Reese's ice cream and I was like, man, it's so freaking oh, it good. good right now. I know. Oh no. They had, I can uh, feel it in my stomach right yeah. now. That little, yeah. like it oh. woke up. <laughs> and they, they had this like place called, uh, mm. Jayco's Donuts, which is like, uh, 
crazy flavors yeah. with like cinnamon toast crunch on top. Like a voodoo donuts like or a, something. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Then Jollibee. That was like the main Jolly food. Jollibee. So back then, nobody would have known what you're talking about. But Jollibee is now everywhere. Mm-hmm. I've had it once. I've had it one time. There was one nearby. I don't know if they serve. Do they serve like a cup of rice? I think so. Yeah. And uh, like a. The little burgers, the little. I didn't have the burgers. I had their what breakfast. Had? Yeah, I didn't have breakfast. I had like the lunch, and it was like mm. a bunch of little things. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was. It was. It was it's not like bad. fast yeah. food. It's like yeah. it's like their fast food. Yeah, me. that's that's what it. They had noodles. Yeah, I think they had noodles. I'm, I'm mixing it up with something else, but that I remember. There's there's one near here somewhere. Yeah. This yeah. was this was 2013, I believe. Yeah. 2013, yeah. and okay, one thing I dreaded about during the Philippines is you had these crazy fashion shows like runway. What do you mean? Like what was crazy about it? What was crazy about it is you would get the craziest call times because you got to be choreographing and practicing all day. So the call time will be like three, four o'clock in the morning and the show wouldn't start till like seven or 8 PM. They had models wait backstage. They'll be like, okay, they, you wait backstage. They'll be like, okay, so it's not just like oh catwalk show. It's like you know, uh, one model walks opposite directions. Okay. Yeah. He's smiling, change back to the other look, and I did about two or three of those a week. And for those shows, they paid about forty-five to fifty bucks a day. Interesting. Yeah. That's not very. I mean, it was. Exp- I mean, you know, looking back at that, the experience is like, wow. Yeah. They don't do that today now. No. Obviously. They, back then, it was just, a, it was a little, you know, extreme. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's when also Instagram started to blow up. 2013 is when I got one. Yeah, same. 2013-ish, I think. 2013 is when Instagram started to get, you know, bigger. Did you feel that, like, when you joined it and you grew a following from that, did that take, how long did that take you? Did it take you a long time? Did it... Well, when I was in the Philippines, I hit the 10,000 mark. Okay. Which was pretty good because there were mostly, uh, you know, Filipinos who were following me because yeah. I was doing fashion shows, getting posted in articles, and people were like, oh, you know, who's this, uh, who's this uh, model that's, you know, in the Philippines? What's his name? Right. And, and so... Um, I try. I started like getting a following like mm-hmm. that way, which is great. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, back. Uh, so, after the Philippines, I went. Uh, I had a FaceTime meeting. Well, so it wasn't FaceTime. It was like Skype, I believe, back then. Mm-hmm. I think it was Skype. And um, you know, he asked me because I gained a lot of weight. I would probably say I gained at least 15, 20 pounds of fat. Like. When you were in the Philippines? I ate so much food. The Jollibee. It was the Jollibee. Yeah. And the donuts. The donuts. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. So I faced, or I Skyped him, and uh, he's like, oh, how's your body looking? And <laughs> Not good. And so <laughs> he's like, all right, you know, I'll just make sure, you know, I took off my shirt, and he was like, what the fuck happened to you? You look happy. And he's like, oh, my God, all right. So now, I, who was this saying this to you? Um... My mother agent. Your mother agent. My okay. mother agent. Okay. Um, but you know, 
you know, far as like, you know, our kind of uh, business relationship, it, we just like, we like to shit on each other yeah, just yeah, for yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. But in that case, he was serious. serious. Like, what the fuck did like, you do? He's like, what the fuck happened? Like, you were skinny like three weeks ago. And now he's like, it was like, it was the donuts. It was the Jollibee. Um, but even when I was in the Philippines, it got to the point where I was working every single day. I think at one point I was working like 16 days straight. Wow. Cause I didn't have time to go to the gym. Like I was, it's a, it's a taxing job. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a physically taxing job. So when people hear, Oh, you're a model, they think, they think of Cindy Crawford. They think of this glamorous supermodel. Male modeling is not like that. Mm -mm. Even at the top, which you are. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's not. I just, it's not yachts and. I love. I mean, food. it can be, but there's, there's yeah. a lot that goes with that. It's not. Um, it's not. Yeah. It, like when I think of like a, you know, um, Cindy Crawford and Naomi Campbell and people being further, further, further back when it was the supermodels in the '80s and '90s, glamorous, you know, wealthy, traveling the world, and you are traveling the world, but for some reason you're in a much different position. It's not. <laughs> Even with them, it's 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 not as glamorous on the day of yeah. when you're working. The only thing that was different from then till back then was the rates were ten times more, yeah. much better. Same for photographers. Yeah, <laughs> I think the industry in the, general. The phones yeah. just really just kind of went. Oh, I can take that myself. It's like, like oh yeah, no now you got people talking about you know like, yeah. look at how good the Samsung phone uh, the the camera. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, look, look, like, look at the iPhone seven, iPhone four. Look at this like, quality. Okay. It is different. Yeah. But it's yeah. good for, for what yeah. you've got in your pocket. It's amazing. No, it definitely. Is, but it's it's good. not the substitute, but okay. Yeah. Boohoo, man. When material. people say that, I'm just like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and that's the thing is that most <laughs> brands, we're going on that direction, but most brands want to fool the public now. They, want, they, they don't want it to look too polished. They want, yeah. and I, am, I, am, I learned from a photographer who is polished. I am not going to be putting out stuff that's like got you know, like cables and shit around because it's, it's organic. It's just like, no, I, it needs to be, it needs to look a certain way. Even if it's raw and not retouched or not adjusted, it just needs to be put together in a certain way. Tell me, uh, take me through the process on like how you do this because <laughs> I'm sure a lot of like inspiring people who also want to do like, you know, podcasts and yeah. have like a similar setup as you it's walking very, through <sighs> it's very easy to be honest i first shot my first one i wanted to do like more of an interview the whole concept of this was talking to people letting them tell me who they are and and, and where they you know what they've experienced like that's kind of the idea yeah and then capturing them in a, in a picture and so i did the first one i did was like an interview it was i wasn't even on camera it was more of just on the person didn't really work because I felt it was too long. I needed that back and forth. But I didn't want to be in a situation where I'm like, I'm, I wanted to let the other person talk. So I was like, okay, well, how am I going to structure it? So I did it with the three cameras. Not everybody that has, there's tons of people with successful podcasts that have one camera or two cameras. It's about the person. I'm not the interest here. You guys are. So if I'm sitting here and talking, people probably aren't going to be as interested. But you guys having your stories and all those things is for me what's what makes it valuable for me okay. and what i hope would be valuable to other people if it's yeah. not well oh well you know 
I'm just doing it because I want to let people tell their stories. Because a lot of podcasts, uh, it's, you know, people could get, you know, inspired by yeah, their stories yeah. or what it took them to get along. It's also getting to know them more about the person. It's like, man, I kind of want to, you know, you know, he went, like you say, you know, Charlie Matthews went to this direction. Right. But I think like, you know, now with things change, maybe there's going to be other ways to go into like a I, new direction. I want to hear stories that I would want to hear. Right. I want to have episodes that I would want to hear. So right. when I watch other podcasts and I listen to them and I really enjoy them, yeah. there's a lot of them though where sometimes it gets re- repetitive. And like that's why I'm just doing once a week. I'm not doing two or three times a week. It's just yeah. too, I think it's just too much. It's too much. It's, it's, it's time consuming. And I'm not a comedian. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not, you know, like there's some that I love and they're comedians and they can do two, three times a week because they're, they're funny. Right. I'm just sitting here listening to people and I don't want to overdo it. So that was the first thing was, was recognizing that what I want to do is just what I want to hear. Right. The big thing was just making sure they're powered and capable of being powered by like plugs so that they're not running out of battery. Right. And then getting the audio equipment, which you can just do audio podcasts too. If you don't have the, 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 the finances or the ability to do um, no, video. You can just yeah. do audio. It's a little bit less of an experience, probably, but yeah. but it's okay. But like, if someone was trying to create one, and I haven't created a successful one, this hasn't even come out yet. Yeah. So by the time this is out, there should be already you know four or five of them that have already come out. Yeah. But it'll take. If it was to be successful, it would take probably a year or two. If it that that's why I don't. I think that anybody who wants to create something like that shouldn't look at it as like something that where they want to just be successful in the first week. You know, I'm doing this because I want to, it's something for me to hear different perspectives, different people, different stories, different, you know, growing, you growing up and here's where you found this. And and it's just interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that's going to make it a successful podcast or not. It's just as long as I'm getting something out of it, then I hope the person listening to it gets something out of it. Yeah. And if they don't, well, that's okay. Like, but you know, I'm not, I'm not, there's no, like, I'm not sitting here with like a, a goal or questions. I, don't, I never have questions. I don't have like, I don't really research the person. It should. It's just, it I just want to hear your story. That's it should it. never be that way. It always happens. It should be authentic. Yeah. And story. Cause whatever, you know, comes out, it, right. you know, it comes out. You don't want to have like, you know, play cards be like, right. Oh my God, because you kind of feel like everything's just going to be staged and people are not going to feel those like emotions, the affections right. and the stories like they could relate. And I don't so, have, I don't have anybody in my life that, that could, you know, not for, for any reason other than they just don't have the skills just to, to produce it or to sit there and edit it for me or to do and I know there are people out there that have really successful podcasts that have, you know, a, a best friend who's able to do the audio yeah. or they have someone who can, you know, they've, they, who, who is a good editor. So he does the cameras and the editing. I, I do that myself as a, for a, a living. So that's where I came up with, you know, I wanted to do a photo shoot conversation, like the conversation we had before the photo shoot. Yeah. You know, for me, when I first started streaming, I didn't have the best looking setup. I'm, well, and take me through that too, because I don't yeah. know a whole lot about Twitch. So I have, you know, my gaming laptop. And the reason why I bought a gaming laptop, just because, you know, I travel for modeling all mm-hmm. the time. I could take it with me, put it in my backpack, and just set up wherever I go. And then, of course, I had my MacBook Pro. And I use that just to re- read the chat and stuff. To so make you sure. have like a two, I have two. thing going. 
it, it, it's it's an ugly setup, but hey, it works. It works. It works. And so for my gaming laptop, I stream the game with Streamlabs OBS, which is it's a basically a video capture video capture card that connects straight to your video game that you're streaming on. And so once I start that, then you got promoted. Hey guys, you know, I'm live on Twitch, blah, blah. I'm playing Halo or Fortnite. Come say hi. And then you got your viewers over here. They'll go to your MacBook. You're watching the Twitch stream chat. And And you're responding to them. Yeah. That's the most important thing because you want to. So how do you play games and respond and reattack? So. Does it affect you ever or no? You, so we know what I learned is, uh, through practice because Mm -hmm. you got to find a balance. Like if there's a death, if I, let's say, I die in the Halo game, you got eight seconds right, to look. Right. And then you just try to spawn like one or two questions. And you're not going to answer like every single one comment. And then Fortnite, it's more of Battle Royale. And it's very more slower paced. Right. So, you know, in between, I'd be like, i say, oh, you know, hey, Liana, how's your day? Hey, what's up, Martina? Thank you, thank you for stopping by. And then the last, they'll just like ask me like, you know, video game things because so that's what I've been doing. I usually stream about, um, you know, four to six hours. And then in 2019, I was streaming almost like seven days a week. And then I was just highly motivated because I enjoy, you know, talking with the audience and also doing what I love doing. Did you do it during like the lockdowns and stuff or no? I did a little bit of it, but I was just, I wasn't in the right mindset Mindset, and I didn't have like the space because everybody was pretty much in the living room sitting around and I didn't get the privacy I needed. So when I was streaming every day, um, I think there was time where I was streaming 21 straight days, 21, 22 straight days, like no rest because I was so happy. I was, it was fun. And it got to the point where, uh, for two months, I was paying off my bills. Wow! Like, you know my rent. That's when you know it's that's something. Things yeah. started. It's like okay, you know I, you know I really believe in this. I was starting averaging between from like four to six viewers, and then to like twenty five. So to 30 you started viewers. at four to six viewers. Yeah. But you know, for me, is for like an actual average like Twitch streamer just yeah. uh, starting out. The average person. The average person without my social media or anything right. to promote. It would take probably a couple of years to get a, a, persona, good, a, a persona, a persona, a thing going. Ninja, you know, or but these people. Yeah. Exactly. Like they've been grinding for years, I'm sure. Years, like eight to 10, yeah, maybe longer. Yeah. But, you know, at that stage of my modeling career in 2020, I already had like a large social media to promote things that Twitch and I had things going a lot easier for me. Yeah. People started like noticing, Oh yeah, he's a gamer too. He's not just a, you know, pretty face. And he's like, wow, he's actually, you know, good at this. Yeah. And so, um, you know, every day I would post, uh, YouTube content. I'll be posting like all my videos, uh, my Fortnite wins, mm-hmm. uh, story, like story modes. And I'll just start delivering content out there. Like every day I'll post. Yeah. And that was a process too. Cause you got to post there. You got to post TikTok, Twitter, Instagram stories. And, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of work, but you, you get to learn from these, uh, you know, experiences. And then when lockdown happened, I just completely, like, you know, put it on the side. I just lost. Yeah. Well, I kind of had health problems. I had some really bad back pain. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, like, took a toll, like, on my health and gaming. Because every time I played, I would get, like, back spasms. Really? And that's when my You remember, health, I remember you telling me about that. My health wasn't uh, at the best. And, uh, you know, I ended up taking a little bit of, you know, of a break on that and just been more focusing on my health and fitness. So yeah. that's probably a good thing. Yeah. But, um, now, um, how many viewers you get now? Well, I haven't launched it yet because oh, I still okay. got my I full see. PC setup. but, um, I'm, I'm hoping I can start like hopefully next week cause I got a whole new streaming professional setup. Uh, brand new monitor, brand new PC. I got LED lights, new microphone. Yeah, like I'm willing to go and put it together all out. And I feel like uh, this is going to be good. There's that moment. I have the same moment here. Yeah. And I, I even, it's, it's, you know, it's probably similar for you, but like I'm familiar with cameras. I'm familiar with mm -hmm. tripods. I'm familiar with, I don't think I wasn't familiar with this audio. Um, and, but even still having all the boxes and everything and like, just like that, Okay. Is it exciting? I actually, it's exciting, it's but like it's also like... new toys. Yeah. All right, so where do I start with? You know, how yeah. am I going to do this? What am I going to put together? What am I doing? Yeah. And um, that's, a, that's a very um, daunting thing sometimes, though, because there's just so much. Like, especially when I was putting together all this, and I'm, yeah. I'm YouTubing, you know, how to assemble the, the, the audio and how yeah. to get the mic to work. I couldn't get the earphones to work. I couldn't get the, all the things that were working. Yeah. I wasn't connected to the computer. I had to connect to the computer and stuff. It's and people are, and then you're watching tutorials and people are trying to take you, you know, well, here you're going to open up this. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't, I don't need all that. I just need to know. Cause they're trying to get me like the, the starter, um, like audition and different things. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not doing a, a audio only podcast. I'm just, I'm, I'm doing like a full on thing because I know how to do that. Yeah. So there's not a lot of tutorials for those things, you know? Do you ever have like friends, uh, was comments? Oh, maybe you should interview this more. Or do you, do you have my like best, my best friend, uh, was in town and, and rain checked on me. Yeah. My, that's how my best friend is. That's, oh. He was like, nah, I'm good. I was oh, like, man. I was like, thanks. I was like, we'll see, we'll see. Do you, do you, do you have uh, any more, uh, you know, inspiring people that who also want, you know, see if you want, you're on your podcast? I don't think I'm, I'm well known enough to have people aspiring to do anything with me. Oh, no, <laughs> like, no, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there's I, I, I've had plenty of people want to intern or want to be, to help me at something where I don't, it, there's a kind of freedom to that, you know, where I don't feel like I don't need to. I'm not at the whim of anybody else. I don't need to go to anybody else for anything. It's nice. Yeah. I have, a, I have an interesting talk, topic for you. What? So you, you mentioned that you dropped out of college, right? Mm -hmm. What's your thought about this whole education system? Do you believe that, you know, you should get a degree? Or do you feel like nowadays this is the year of the entrepreneurship and people are starting to create their own businesses and figure they want to work in their home I'm very cautious on this subject because I've had people ask me like what they think they should do yeah no worries and 
the same answer I would have, like I would never advise someone to drop out. Yeah. Because I don't know you well enough mm-hmm. to make that choice. Right. Like it's a big decision. But if you're not trying to be a dentist or a doctor or a lawyer, you know, you're probably fine. Yeah. If you if it's not for you, like for me, I, I was sitting, I was in I was at school and I've told this story before, but I just wasn't into it. You know? It just wasn't there was I'm I was a good student, I was good at school. I I didn't I just wasn't interested in it. I didn't I didn't like the fact that I had to sit there and take you know, another philosophy class at a sophomore yeah. in college. It just was like, what, what am I doing? Like, I, cause what, I, what do yeah. I want to do yeah. with my life? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, I, I, I don't. And when people would ask me, what do you want to do with your life? My whole life, I never knew. My brother was more like definitive. It was like, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a doctor. I want to be this. I want to be a police yeah. officer, whatever. I never was that person. I always had to make things up just to shut them up. Same. Like, yeah. I'm thinking about being a lawyer. Fuck no. Yeah. What if I'm going to be a lawyer? Like in an office and sit in a room and, and under, a, a, you know, yeah. these like bright lights and just read through, you know, briefs and problems and issues. And some people love it. It's not for me. And so that's what I tell people. It's like I tell people like, look, if you feel it's not for you, like, what's the worst that can happen? If you are smart about what you're doing. Now, if you have, like, a full ride somewhere, maybe you just finish it. You know, maybe you just you just take it and it can't hurt. But to me, there's not a lot of value in, you know, going to school unendingly. And what I mean by that is I've known people who get, like, two majors, three majors, they go to business school, they go to grad school, they go get a doctorate. They still don't know what they want to do. Their job is essentially going to school. And when your job is just going to school, you're not actually doing anything that's, you know, going to prepare you to actually succeed. And some people would say, well, you know, you know, there's nothing wrong with education. Absolutely not. There's, but you can learn those things on your own. If I wanted to go and take a class to learn, you know, I could go do that right now. I don't need to, um, I can go research something on my own. I can go to the library, which is a novel concept. You know, you can go read about things if I'm interested and want to learn. You don't need to spend $150,000 for those things, unless you're trying to be something specific. The entrepreneurship angle is another thing. It's like, you know, it's a case by case basis. Maybe you are the one who's going to be the next, you know, Jeff Bezos, but you also might just burn out and, and, and it fails, but that's the only way you're going to ever know is if you try. And so when you try and you, and you put everything you have and you're trying to, and you, and you plan and, and do, you know, as much of a, a good job of preparing yourself for all the possibilities and making sure you can put food on your table and making sure you can, you can live, you know, not just believing in the dream. I was, I, were we talking with you about it? Or maybe it was, it was, I think it was someone else, but we were talking about that Jake Paul. Or was it Logan Paul? Logan Paul, the kid that, that wanted the job from Logan Paul and quit his job and then went to ask Logan Paul for a job and like cornered him and asked him for a job. And he was like, no. 
He's like, who are you? You know, like one of those things. And it's like this person who had this idea that if I quit this job and I go do this, then this is going to be like, it's like a fairy tale. And like life doesn't work that way. You can't just, just because you quit college, you know, doesn't mean you're going to become a success. You have to work and you have to read and you have to research and you have to learn. I had basically learned by doing for eight years. It took me eight years to even get to this point. And I'm still not where I want to be. Eight years. You know, and I'm sure you feel the same way. It took you a long time to get to where you are now and you're still not where you want to even be. And if you're able to stick in it for that long, then I think if you drop out of college, that's at least your problems. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But it's the people that, you know, they do something and then they get tired of it after two weeks or they don't see success within the first year and so they give up. Then it's like, well, then, yeah, you should have finished college because you are probably meant for just a basic job and have your hobbies and have your enjoyment and all the things that you want to do. But to, to, to make it in an entrepreneurial way, you have to take risk and you have to, you have to spend a lot of time learning and, and doing things and failing. Like I had like, like, I mean, I can probably count like, like 20, 25 businesses that failed things that we were projects that we were a part of cool things, things I put money into things I didn't, things I put time into things I didn't that fucking failed, you know? And I always learned something from those things. I learned new skills. I, I developed new talents, new things, but, but I mean, full on failure. To where when people ask me at Christmas, how's that thing going? I'm like embarrassed. I'm like, oh, well, that, <laughs> that didn't work out, you know? And if we were to have given up on the first one or the second one or the fifth one or the seventh one, I wouldn't have gotten to the 26th one, you know, that's looking out to be a success. And there's things that we're working on right now that are looking to be like, it's a great project to be a part of and a great success. But that could be number 26 too, you know, or it could be the first success story, but we've had plenty of things and we've had plenty of successes too. I just mean in terms of business. Yeah. yeah. We've had successes in what we do, but when you try and branch out and create a business, um, it's all different. Ball you're going to have failures. Yeah. And I don't think that school is bad. I, there's a, there's this movement of people now that say it's bullshit and it's, I don't think that's true. It just depends on what you want to do. And it depends on the person. Yeah. You know, if you think that going to college is just going to make the rest of your life just work out, you're going to be in for a rude awakening because it's not. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not going to be, um, the red carpet's not going to be rolled out after you leave Harvard, you know, or you leave Cal State Fullerton. You know, just because you went to a, a, a not that great school in college doesn't mean you can't be successful. And just because you went to a really successful school doesn't mean you're going to be successful. I know, I know people who went to Harvard who are not, they're not doing anything remarkable from my, from growing up. And they probably think I'm a loser for dropping out of school. <laughs> so right back at you, yeah. you know, whatever. I don't, I, I don't care, but it's, it's, I never, I never draped myself in the dropout title. Maybe if I make it like big and I make a really big um, success with a business or something, maybe I will, I'll probably lean into it more, but I feel like that's just a, that's just a thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
Who cares if you dropped out or not? If I went another two years at Pepperdine, would it really have made a difference? Probably not. I just wouldn't have met the people that I met, gone on the journeys and the experiences that I did. I would have right. been on a completely different life. I wouldn't be sitting here. I'd be somewhere completely different. doesn't mean it would have been a failure. Yeah. I just wouldn't be here. And that's that question. It's like if you made one change in your life growing up, if rather than when your parents were fighting, rather than going around to the neighbors and, and collecting money for, for jobs, and you had instead decided to just really try and stick with baseball, do you think you'd be in the same spot? You know, well, one, just one different choice. I think the biggest life-changing choice for me is if, if my mom didn't file that restraining order on that day, I would never have all this. I wouldn't be sitting here with you. I wouldn't have a modeling career. Just like a domino. I would just probably be back in the same town. Possibly, you know, I already got my degree. I mean, I got associates, but... Um, I'd probably be stuck in the same town, miserable, maybe have a family, maybe have kids. But, you know, sometimes I do some like, you know, pop ups on my Facebook, on my, uh, you know, family page. And I just I look at all my friends and, you know, they all have, you know, wife and kids, which is great, mm -hmm. which is great. And then there's others where they got their doctor's degrees, their nurses, their you know, firefighters, but they spent all this money on college, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like it's going to take for like mm -hmm. five to 10 years just to get out of this debt for what they ended up for what they doing. ended up doing. Not, and I just sense. feel like if you spent your age, like in your twenties, you should be enjoying it because you're only going to be in your twenties once. And by yeah. the time you hit 30, then everything's going to go past. You should just enjoy it, start traveling and, I feel like a lot of my friends in the same town, again, there's nothing wrong with it, but they yeah. should experience like what else is out there for you. Yeah. Because if you, if you travel and, you know, go to different countries or out of states, you could probably get a different meaning of where life is. And, you know, it's a challenge. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. there's so many decisions that I could have made differently that would have not meant that I'd be here, you know? There's times when I wanted to quit. There's times when I did, when there was a failure or a situation wasn't ideal. And I just, I was like, maybe I should just quit. Maybe I should just go back to school. Maybe I should go. But then, you know, when you do, it's like that, that stupid meme with the diamond, you know, the guy like digging for diamonds. It's like exactly that. If you quit before you succeed, well, then that's it. Like you're going to go back to where you were and, and, and you just need to be okay with that. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where. I would recommend people travel and I recommend, but not everyone has the means to travel yeah. like, and, and necessarily the, the ability to find a way to travel like we did. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, experience. I do like the way that European schools tend to be like, they take a break for a year. Free education. Well, that too. But I mean, they, they do instill in them though, after high school, they take a break for, I think, a year. And they, it's like that's their time to figure out what they want to do. Versus here, it's like, hey, hey, kids, sign here. You're going to go to school here for four years. You can just be undeclared. It's fine. Yeah. Like, that's the dumbest thing to me. Going to school, not knowing what you want to do, not even having a clue, at least in my position, I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do. I just 
And if anything, the things that I wanted to do, which was like art and different things, was constantly told, yeah, but you can't make a living off that, which is probably fair, you know, but it wasn't like anybody was trying to help me do that. So then you go, well, and there's other things I was interested in. So like, let's try science. Let's try the, let's try going to school for, you know, being a doctor or being this or, or, or uh, you know, occupational therapist or something like that. And there's a whole host of things that go with that, that like you get tired of the same thing every day. And, and that was what I started to learn about myself, you know, in college, especially I found that I get really bored. <laughs> I don't want to do this every day. I don't, I don't know people who, I, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't understand people and hats off to them because I mean, it's a skill I don't have. We're, we're okay hard. doing the same thing every day. It's, you know, and it's definitely harder for a lot of families in their situations too, because you got, you know, uh, like mothers and fathers who are waking up like seven o'clock in the morning driving in traffic to work spending four hours of your day in the car spending four hours a day in your car then you're in the office from like nine to six drive all the way back get home for dinner and then repeat it the next day right that's the crazy thing to me too is that like that was that was kind of the the what happened to me was that i was i was at school and i just kind of panicked i was like i don't want to be in an office the rest of my life like I was in one of those rooms in school week, like, cause like my school had like smaller classes and I was in an empty room waiting cause I was early and it looked like an office and I was just like, I don't want to be here. I was in Malibu. It wasn't like, it wasn't pretty. It was beautiful yeah. outside. Yeah. It was hot. It was nice. It was, it was pepper it was, dime. It was the, yeah, it was the, yeah. it was the thing that everybody thinks that they want. And then you're like, you're there and you're like, I fucking hate it. You know, I fucking hate it. And then it's like, how do you go tell people, I hate it. I want to go home. I don't want to be here. I don't even want to go home. I just don't want to be here. And so then I tried a, a like, like a stepping stone school where I knew more people and thought, well, maybe, maybe it's the environment, you know, maybe it's the environment. Maybe it's just, maybe I'm just being ridiculous. Maybe I don't, you know, maybe I don't know anybody and that's why. And then I went to a school where I did know people and didn't enjoy that either you know yeah and so it was just and then that's when i just realized this is what i want to do and i don't care if i fail i don't care if i'm broke and nothing came of anything i just don't want to be doing this and we need doctors and we need engineers it's just not me well, a good thing if you were not a doctor or a nurse you didn't have to go through covid because that would probably have been your most stressful moment in your career yeah but and all they got was like like round of clapping. <laughs> it's like man, it's, it's the most patronizing thing you could possibly do to someone who's it, stressed and tired and underpaid. You know, <laughs> it's thank you so much for your yeah. contribution. It's like okay, well, it's like the teachers. It's like you know, yeah. they're like they get, they make like nothing, and then people are like they're already overpaid. I'm like, are they really? They have to deal with your dumbass kids every day. Yeah. Oh, I mean, God. I would pay them double to take some of your kids, you know, but it's never, it's, it's, it's imagine. I mean, those are people that do things because like, they're passionate about it. I mean, you, you'd be a nurse because you're passionate about it. Cause you want to help people. You want to help people. You want to help people. Which, nothing wrong with that. But then I think the reality of how people are 
sets in. And I think there is a, a, an easy way for you to slowly become like, like tired of it. I have to imagine there's burnout. There's, 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 you get no, tired of, of just tired of dealing with you, you all the stress, time. Stress. You know? And it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy, a crazy thing. But the, you know, the only way you'll ever know is if you do take those chances and you do quit and you do go, you know, do what you, what you're dreaming to do. Yeah. But that doesn't guarantee you're going to succeed. Well, my mom, my but, mom was always pressuring me to go back because she always thought that the smiling thing could only last. Yeah. Or, and that's reasonable. I mean, which is reason, which is like, absolutely, yeah. you know, I, I completely understand because she was always pure pressure me to finish my, like my last two years just because, uh, you know, first couple of years modeling were just like pretty slow, and, yeah. you know, and you got to a point that was, um, maybe because of that competitive streak from, from your upbringing and everything, but you, you did get to a point that was international success you were traveling you were succeeding you were a lot of models don't ever reach that point even a successful model yeah you reached a point that was that was much further well than what yeah most would, well it got would. to the point where my mom got off my back and she realizes like damn this is actually real it's, it's like something. man he fucking did it yeah like got to that point so after back to like where i started so after the philippines I got fat. I had to lose about, I had to lose a lot of weight, come back to LA for two weeks. And then I signed with IMG in New York and, um, stay there for two months, stay in a model's apartment. Model's apartment was a thing back in the day. It's not like Airbnbs. Like it's, now. Like ten, it's like 10 people yeah. living in an apartment. So the thing is about this, I was staying at Long Island. It was two bedrooms, bunk beds, and there was only Wi-Fi box. There was no furniture, just beds. No couch, completely blank. It was new. And yeah. I was paying like 1500 $1, And how month. many of you were in there? Four. It was four. Um, I actually, I made some good friends, but I don't think they model anymore. So this was like 2014. First time in New York City. Exciting. So I went IMG in New York. And then uh, first month, didn't book a job. Second month, didn't book a job up until the last couple of days. Hmm. And that's when, um, you know, I started realizing I don't think I could be in this industry. I don't think, you know, I'm having those like second thoughts. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a very competitive industry, and, right. you know, and, um, I did a cattle call with, uh, Target and Nautica and there was a models in there like Shauna Pry, Francisco Lebowski, a lot of big models that like I knew and I'm like, crap i'm going up against them yeah um and so i was getting ready to book my plane ticket got a call from my agent and he's like hey you booked a nautica campaign my first ever like goal of a campaign yeah and then following a target campaign i booked that and then i booked another job the last three days i didn't know what nautica was at the time but uh you know the brand like I looked at, it, I was like, oh, I know that symbol. It's like, a oh, resurgence around. The it's time a, it's a pretty, out. it's a pretty good, yeah. it's a good brand. It's yeah. a good brand. Shot that in Montauk for a couple of days, and um, since then, things things started to, uh, you know, get better. Mm -hmm. And I went back to L.A. signed with Two Management. 
I was with two management for about four, four years, about three, four years. And then I started booking e-com like yeah. once a week, which was great. And then, uh, my big, my first big magazine I shot was arena on plus and they flew in this photographer in London. And so I shot the first day. It was like Hollywood theme, Hollywood boy. And then the second day they shot lucky blue Smith. And the third day they shot, uh, another guy. And so when, once the images came out, um, Jeremy Scott DM me on Instagram. He was like, Hey, you know, my name is Jeremy Scott. And I was wondering, you know, I would love to, you know, work with you. You were wearing my pink latex outfit in the gas station in the middle of a ghetto area where people are screaming at you like, well, what the hell are you wearing? Put on yeah. some clothes. And they're just like slurring out words and stuff. And, uh, I didn't know who Jeremy Scott was. And, um, you know, I Googled him a little bit and his, his, his work was out there. So he was doing a collaboration with Adidas for a lookbook and the female model was Sarah Sampaio. And, uh, she was an upcoming, uh, Victoria's secret model. And she soon, like she became like the face of the brand and became one of the regular angel girls. Yeah. So I get on set and it was about like an eight hour shoot and always, they had a choreographer and we had to do all these like crazy shapes and my ass was hurting by it by the end of this because I'm just kept jumping jumping and I do all these like crazy shots of like the outfits and logos we did some like 90s grungy like videos where I just you know play around with like the camcorder and yeah. you know it was like yeah. that kind yeah. of it was like yeah. that kind of like vibe and so you know like after that things started to you know pick up for me I did like you know a little bit of like smaller like e-com e-com jobs and then fast forward to 2014 i ended up leaving img and i signed with soul and i did this like casting for this undisclosed uh, celebrity that i'm going to be shooting with for marie claire and i think this is what things started to like really take off for me and so, you know, I was with a photographer, Kaizi Fang, and I had to do some yoga poses in my underwear. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Yoga poses? Yeah. Like, what kind of shoot are we doing? It's like, oh, I can't see the celebrity. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I did it. And um, I got the job. Um, so they used me and then this uh, African-American model. We get on set. We uh, took a bus shuttle from New York City to Philadelphia. And the call time was at nine. We were waiting for the celebrity to come and she didn't show up at one o'clock and it was Nicki Minaj, mm. Nicki Minaj. And I'm just like, oh, oh, cool, cool. She comes in the room, she's like, what up y'all? Sorry if I'm late. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I'm ready to get the shoot going. So I'm standing like she has such a distinct on the couch, voice, very distinct like voice. You could you could hear her, and you just would know that's that's, that's, that's Nicki Minaj. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's you Nicki know? Minaj. Like she's like energy and all. So anyways, I, I like her, but yeah, yeah. But um, you know, back then she was like in her prime. Like she was like, oh my gosh, she was the Cardi B. Right, right. She was that was twenty. Yeah, yeah. yeah twenty fourteen. Yeah. Like she had she like a, yeah, she was on the way up. And so, you know, I'm sitting on this couch uh, with this other model, Justin. They're always they late, were, anyway. They're always that, late. That level of celebrity. So they had a no makeup what. and personal dress in the back, and it took her about four hours to get ready. Mm -hmm. That's 
the design the, the the stylist is not allowed to go back there by the time they tr- tried on the dresses none of the clothes fit her so like oh shit so we got to order clothes three o'clock in the morning away from the ride and then she decided oh i don't want to put on these let's just get naked and have fun like it's just like <laughs> you know like exactly in that voice and so we did this uh shoot and she chose like the model it was like it was me against the black model and she chose me because she liked me like, oh it's just this this blue eye boy hey handsome and okay the first shot is like she was like touching my lips like we were kissing and then she had her body her hands like on my body getting the shot and then she's like oh my god i fucking love this y'all then she got completely naked and she got on top of me for this like i don't know because i think back then it was like there was a trend it was like women should have more power than men yeah yeah like it was like that kind of trend. a lot of times too it was like, like it was like wage something dealing with they should get the equal amount of salary it was like, it was something kind of like in the politics so that's what Mary claire was trying to go for i see okay and um so we shot that she, she goes through like uh the computer she's like Oh my God, fuck me right in the ass. I love this. Oh my God, when can we post it? And then Kaizi's like, oh my God, I'm so glad we're over this shoot. And we didn't finish until like eight o'clock in the morning and I had to shoot the next day. So from the shuttle to Philly, I went straight to the next shoot for the jeans job. Oh no. So I was already up for like 37 hours pounding. 12 cups of coffee and my my mind is just like i'm you're, just like you're swaying. In a daze. they knew it was like oh what happens like oh i was at a photo shoot all night with nikki so fast forward the pictures come out and that's when my social media started blow up because everyone thought that i was dating her so i had like my 15 minutes of fame for that short period because meek mills was in jail at the time oh, i didn't know that okay, he was in was jail for oh. something and they were dating and they're like Oh my God! Like who's this? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Because she posted me. She posted me, and then she liked and commented my photos. And everyone's like, "Oh my God!" He's like, "Oh, is that, that, that he's like that 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 fucking white guy's lucky. That should be that should be me." Blah blah blah. Oh my God! And so it started, you know, the trend, and um, I ended up getting like a hundred thousand followers, and then I was I was getting a bit more work and publicity because of it. It wasn't good publicity, actually. It, it was, I, I was getting like hateful messages where people want to kill me just because, yeah. you know, yeah, which, which it's, it I happens. get those, but that was like <laughs> one of my yeah. most iconic moments, oh, like highlights in the industry, uh, you know, shooting with like a celebrity like that naked. Cause not many people say, Oh, I had Nicki Minaj's tits on my back. Yeah. Naked. And you, then she was like not uncomfortable she was she, she loved was into it, it. Yeah. she was into it like she oh was my God. feeling it she was feeling it um so yeah i was i was in new york during that time and then you know fast forward that i left to management to go over to dt because my mother agent mm-hmm. uh went over and that's when the whole uh guess era began yeah and um 2007 I believe it was 2017 I know my mother agent was pushing me to get into working for gas and you know at the time they kept saying no 
they kept trying and trying. I was like, okay, finally they got me in. So I just did like one day of econ. They're like, oh, you know, went great. They booked me again for a lookbook tomorrow. And then uh, I started to get into like the rotation. Like they started using me a little bit. Then I went to Australia and then I went to came back. And then I was booking econ for like two years, for like two years for guests, which was like, all right, okay. And I'm hoping that one day I get that phone call. It's like, all right, you're up for the campaigns. And again, at the time he was like, oh no, you know, he's not right for the campaigns yet and stuff like that. But the advertisement department is like, you know, pushing. He's like, he's great. I promise you should use him. You should use him. And so guess they're the type of company is if you're loyal to them, they'll, they'll be loyal you. to you. And that's good to know. As long as you go to, cause they invite me to a lot of events. I make sure yeah. I go to a lot of events. I make sure I mingle and talk to everybody. And then I get this one call It was on a Saturday and I haven't seen my grandma in about 12 years. I would say she flew in from Switzerland here, big family reunion. I get a phone, <gasps> phone face down like this and I get a message from my agent and I would say, oh, hey, what you're doing right now? And he's like, oh, I'm just, you know, chatting with my family. You know, just catching up with my grandma. What is it? What's going on? Aunt. Why are you calling me right now? And I was like, okay, well, you could just tell them you're going to be the new face for guests. Oh, my God. And then I dropped the phone and I just screamed and I'm like, mom, I'm going to become the new face for guests. Like I booked my first Glo like, like my like first global thing global yeah. campaign and my mom and grandma they're like <laughs> i'm so proud of you my baby is gonna be again it's like yeah it's like that like tone and everybody cries like oh my god so i get on set i'm just like wow i'm actually here this is I, I never thought I was going to become a guest guy, honestly. I mean, I looked through the ads and stuff. I was like, man, that guy is cool. And I was like, maybe one day. But I nev never back in my mind I would be, you know, guest. Yeah. Like, you know, shoot a campaign for them. Yeah. And then I shot with them. It was great. And uh, Paul was like, this is one of the best campaigns we shot in a very long time. And then uh, six months later... I got put on three options for fragrances, which was like the dream, mm -hmm. like the holy grail mm -hmm. for, you know, fragrance booking those and alcohol. six figures, fragrances mm -hmm. and alcohol. The first one was Perry Ellis. Okay. The second one was Victor and Rolf Spice Bomb, which was my dream campaign because I looked up just Sean O'Pry when he like shot that. It was just like one of the black and white photos. Like I want to be that guy. And the third one was Guess. So they both said, uh, Victor and Rolf decided they booked a, a UK model due to their following. Perry Ellis says, not this time. He looks too young. And then um, I got That's an interesting thing, yeah. too, about, about that, is that you, you, you had to grow as a person, literally. Like, I mean, you were too young, probably. Because at, because at, the, because at the time when uh, the feedback that I would get, he's like, he's too young try to get old or he's too, too old try to get young right. like that kind of thing like they're very like particular at the time you were at too the boyish. time 
too boyish trying to dress yourself up exactly then you need to actually be yeah you know 26 25 not, not exactly not 19 exactly. Trying to look 25. yeah yeah so i get a call and i was like um so you know we heard about guess the fragrance and um you know they're still thinking about it i don't know it's gonna go through and i'm just like oh man that sucks and then he hanged up the phone on me and he texted me three words you booked it i got on my knees and i was like breaking down crying because i'm just like holy shit this is actually get it this is like you know i did it yeah like it was the best feeling like because i for me i never set the bar high for myself i always you know had a low self-esteem because i feel like i don't think i could get to that point but now it's just like all these dreams and thinking about is actually wow this is this is happening this i'm actually gonna have like a legit modeling career and after that campaign i ended up shooting three more campaigns after that and then soon i guess i became the face of the brand and i've been the face of guests like the last like five years which has been amazing but i say the biggest highlight of my career that i'm never gonna forget i'm gonna probably break down but guests had a launch party in uh, in hollywood uh, no vacancy have you heard of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you you go upstairs the bed moves and you go down and then there's the bar and it was like a party where they had like my face on the pillows the fireplace wow. and i have the footage too and everybody was there just to celebrate the campaign that you know i shot me and kelsey and then the one most important person in my life was my mom witnessing it. She was there. She was there. And um, yeah, all right, I'm going to cry. Um, you want to take a second? No, I'm good. We'll keep going. I have a Kleenex too if you need. And um, this was so important for me because I just want to see her face because going from where I started how much we struggled till we got like a new life now. Um, this scene, her face was like the greatest thing. Yeah. The greatest thing in my life. And I just wanted her happy and see mom. We fucking did it. We fucking did it. Like I took the long route. There's it's, um, we took, we it's just seeing her face and break down cry and like she's just like my boy you fucking did it and i'm so so proud of you i just i'm in like oh like it's oh, i'm sorry no don't worry about um it. you're not the first person to yeah and um and just her standing in the corner and just seeing everybody and just looking at reaction and just seeing her cry and it was the best moment in my life like i swear it was amazing and that feeling's like i get to live with that the rest of my life and that's the only thing i care about that's i think about that moment every day 
And now she's in a better place. She's the happiest she's ever been. And she knows that I'm having, I'm doing really good. And, um, you know, there's a lot to be thankful for. And uh, I think that right there was just the icing on the cake. I don't think nothing else is going to top that. That one memory and moment was the best thing that's ever. Like, I would sacrifice everything just to have that moment priceless it was priceless yeah yeah sorry no don't be sorry don't be sorry we'll take a second yeah all right so we're back all right so after the fragrance um we were supposed to go on a tour where we get to promote the product okay to the press and we were supposed to go to New York, Lugano, Switzerland, and a few other places. So we always top in the year, like, all right, this is going to be our year. Right. 2020, ready to go in full throttle. Um, and, uh, you know, I was getting ready to travel. And then I booked, like, my dream cover, which was Men's Health Serbia. And just to represent, because I'm Serbian. You're Serbian, I'm right? Serbian. Your last yeah. name's Serbian. You have family in Switzerland, but you're Serbian. Yeah, my dad, dad, dad's side of the family is from Serbia, okay. Yugoslavia. And I was like, man, dream cover is just yeah. like a men's health cover. Like, this is what I want. Like, I loved it. And then um, COVID happened. And, of course, with everybody, it's changed a lot of people's lives. And then lockdown. Um lockdown it you know it was tough um we had to postpone a lot of things and i eventually did book the victor and Rolf spice bomb and they postponed it because the lockdown yeah they tried again in july they postponed it and then they used somebody else Mm. but um you did book it though that's gonna feel good yeah, and I mean in emails, but, you, but they didn't eventually uh, use me. But hey, you know, you never know what's gonna happen in the future. Yeah. So you know, lockdown happened, and then you know, of course, everybody went through you know weird situations mentally, and they yeah. just feel like you can't do this anymore or whatever. And I always felt like I'm at that part of my life, like, what is after? What can I do? after a fragrance like you know i've reached my dream goal what else can i do and at the time i didn't really have like a backup plan because now you know 2020 i was 28 years old and i'm getting to the point i'm getting older and there's gonna be newer faces coming up and i have to find ways where i can have like a second career like a stable like money like what can i do and, um, you know, I thought about doing Twitch, but Twitch, it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think like, what am I good at? And I was always been good at numbers because math was actually like one of my, actually it was the strongest subject in school for you, yeah. for me. Yeah. And I was like, all right, how can I make good money? What can I do? And I got in the stock market and I try to think like, hmm. start doing YouTube videos, uh, like just watching videos of people. How do you become a day trader or, you know, how do you learn about these companies, blah, 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 yeah. blah. 
And so I was like, all right, got my own employment checks. And I started, uh, you know, investing companies. Mm-hmm. Um, started reading charts, educate myself more and more. Every day I would just learn, learn, learn. And I got to the point where I, made, I was making a pretty good amount of money, like really good for like what I had. And um, so I started investing in companies. I make like, you know, a couple hundred bucks a week and then put a little bit more. I was like, all right, wow, maybe I could actually, maybe I could possibly do this full time if I really want to like commit myself. And I enjoyed it. I love reading about how companies can change the world. I learned, uh, you know, how the market gets affected by, you know, news, politics, and you know you know what else like what else is going on right and so that's what i did i learned um i learned how to you know dabble in the stock market become a day trader and use all like my savings and put money into it and just let it grow over time then i got into crypto i did the same thing and then in the back of my head i'm just like all right you know i can't wait for another modeling job to come or that's going to pay me i can't wait for another check that know to come in the mail from guests so I decided uh, I was on the fence and I was on the edge of it to launch an OnlyFans and I'm like all right this is a good way to see how it works out yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen like at the lowest I don't know how much I'll make a, a month but maybe just amount for like a day rate for like an econ job or like a lookbook and it blew out my expectations I'm just like wow people actually like this and um, I started to make like, you know, comfortable amount of money and I've been putting it a lot into investments. And so three months into OF, I, one day I just, I came up with something in the back of my head. I was like, wow, you know, I may have came up with like another idea. What if I, you know, since I have this like platform on social media, the amount of connections I made over time that I can invest into like maybe in house and doing a production studio where I could just rent it out to, you know, brands, influencers, and agents flying the models. I give them a cut and it's still like part of the entertainment business and, you know, the modeling world or we call this influencer, like yeah. influencer. And I became really passionate about it and I've been very like, motivated to you know do this as like a long-term plan i believe it could go really well like i said if i'm gonna buy you know in a real estate it's got to be at like the right time at the right uh the right purchase but now i'm just like the point in my life where i want to transition out to modeling and you know work on like other things i still want to resume my twitch career which is I bought like a whole new like setup and everything. And that's something I really, really enjoy about. And then also, you know, I could still save money from doing, uh, you know, my production studio over time. So now it's just like, I'm just taking it, uh, you know, day by day and just try to continue to stay consistent, work on my platforms and, you know, do whatever I can to have like a, you know, this, you know, be successful at a six, a uh, second career. So, yeah. Wow. That's, wow. I mean, that's a great, that's an amazing 
journey, you know? It has, yeah. It's been an amazing journey for you and for so many people to witness and yeah. you know, get to hear about it again. This is it's actually the first time that... This is my first podcast I've done and how first time, like, telling my entire story from yeah. where I started to, like, where I became now. Well, thank you so, for, for doing it with me. Well, so. thank you for having me. Of course. This is going to be memorable. I mean, everyone should know how to find you, but tell everybody how to find you. Yeah, well, you, know? you, could, you could find me on uh, my social medias, Instagram.com yeah. slash Charlie M. Matthews, YouTube.com slash Charlie M. Matthews 015. You can find me on social media. And then your Twitch is coming out. Twitch, by the, uh, time, hopefully, by the time this is out, I think your Twitch, Twitch will be out. out. Twitch.tv so. slash shock and S H zero C K three capital N. There you go. So, all right. Well, that's a good way to end it. Yeah. All right, guys. Cheers to that. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for having me. Cool.